Friday editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement have become rare, but here we are with an installment for November 17th, 2023, in order to get some items out as quickly as possible. There are now almost 2,600 subscribers, a number that has me realizing this is no longer a game of Yar's Revenge. I'm Sean Tubbs, hopelessly stuck in an 8-bit mindset. In today's edition, Albemarle County institutes a ban on outdoor burning in advance of wind gusts expected tomorrow. Charlottesville High School classes are canceled today due to a lack of staff and substitutes due to at least two fights that broke out yesterday. A trial date has been set for next summer for a lawsuit against Arlington County's zoning code, and the Charlottesville Planning Commission gives more time for a development on Lankford Avenue, a project that might end up being one of the first rezonings under the new zoning code. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, Camp Albemarle has for over 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation corps project that seeks to promote the importance of rural activities. Are you looking to escape and reconnect with nature? Consider holding an event where the natural beauty of the grounds will provide a venue to suit your needs. Visit their website to view the gallery and learn more at CampAlbemarle.org. Albemarle County has become the latest locality in the area to make it unlawful to burn materials outside during dry conditions. The fire marshal's office issued the order this afternoon. Here's a section from the press release. The decision to issue the open-air burn ban has been made in response to the National Weather Service's alert today announcing a fire weather watch for Albemarle County after careful consideration of current weather conditions. That fire weather watch is in place Saturday morning through Saturday afternoon and warns of high wind that could spread wildfire. Albemarle's burn ban will remain in place until the fire marshal's office has lifted it. There's a whole section on Albemarle County's webpage about outdoor burning that's worth reviewing, not just for now, but for other days. And yesterday, Louisa, Green, and Nelson counties all put an outdoor burn ban into effect. Meanwhile, the Royal Orchard Fire is the name now given to the fire on Afton Mountain yesterday that is about 20 acres large and about 50% contained as of this afternoon. Charlottesville City Councils have closed Charlottesville High School today due to a shortage of people willing to work after a day where multiple fights broke out throughout the day. All other schools remained open. Here's an email that was sent out this morning from the Supervisor of Community Relations. Beth Chuk said that due to an unusual number of staff absences and a limited number of substitutes, classes at Charlottesville High School would be canceled today, Friday, November 17th. Later in the day, Charlottesville City Schools confirmed that the absences were related to a series of recent altercations. Here is from the second email that was sent out close to 3 o'clock this afternoon. This was signed by Superintendent Royal Gurley and outgoing school board chair James Bryant. 
Because I'm reading their words, I'm not going to run it through the quote filter. In some cases, these staff absences were precipitated by two related fights yesterday, as well as a number of other fights this school year among a small subset of students. These same students have often been tardy or absent from classes or otherwise disruptive. While these students have received both supportive and strong disciplinary actions, the situation remains. The email states that the situation has been compounded by the resignation of CHS Principal Rashad Pitt, which was announced on November 9th. The email states that a new principal will be announced on Monday. The email suggests other corrective actions. These include crafting plans for community conversations with area leaders to address community issues that impact our schools, elevating the voices and perspectives of the overwhelming number of CHS students who are making good choices each day, clarifying our expectations and procedures for student and family behavior, disciplining all students according to the state's guideline to include suspension and expulsion, connecting students with the social and emotional support they need, and building a network of alternative community and school programming available to those students for whom CHS is not fully meeting their needs. School will reopen on Monday, complete with exterior patrols by the Charlottesville Police Department. In response to messages from alumni and parents who have said today they want to help, city schools are also seeking people who want to become substitute teachers. The incidents have become an issue for conservative talk show host and Republican consultant Rob Schilling, who has posted footage of four incidents on his blog, including yesterday's events. In September, the Charlottesville Daily Progress reported that the school system had cracked down on the use of cell phones after two previous brawls were filmed and distributed online. School officials said that was part of a larger policy to improve education by eliminating distractions. In early January, the Charlottesville School Board will welcome four new members who were recently elected to four-year terms. Four incumbents opted not to run for new terms. Amanda Burns is one of those school board members incoming, and she wrote on her Facebook page today to please take some extra time to love on your kids today and reflect what you are doing to be a part of the solution. Burns will enter office in January alongside Chris Meyer, Shimora Cooper, and Nicole Richardson. Burns posted throughout the day offering resources for students with nowhere else to go, such as Parks and Recreation's open gym hours at Carver Recreation. The group Charlottesville Area Harm Reduction provided free meals at several sites across the city. Were you or your family affected? Do you have a suggestion? What did you do today? Leave a comment below and let's talk about it. As Charlottesville comes closer to adopting a new zoning code that will grant significantly more development rights to landowners across the city, City Council is being advised by both a city attorney and an outside council in order to avoid legal missteps. There is still an active lawsuit against the city for the adoption of the comprehensive plan in November of 2021, though parts of a previous lawsuit were thrown out by Charlottesville City Circuit Court Judge Claude Worrell in August of 2022. Meanwhile, there's an active lawsuit against Arlington County for a new zoning code that does a lot of what Charlottesville's new development code intends to do. 
The Arlington Patch website reports that Judge David Schell has set a five-day trial beginning on July 8, 2024. That's after an October 19th ruling against Arlington County's request to dismiss the case. Writer Mark Hand also notes that Arlington will try again to have the case dismissed by appealing Shell's decision. More information from one side of that discussion is available on the GoFundMe page for the group Neighbors for Neighborhoods, LLC, who brought the suit forward. Arlington's expanded housing options process is much different from Charlottesville's new development code. In Arlington, developers must get a permit from the county before proceeding with the higher-than-normal development, and only 58 such permits are allowed each calendar year. You can learn more at the Arlington County website. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Architectural firm Design Develop wants you to know about a new service aimed at the development community that may not be widely known just yet, 3D point cloud scanning. That's a technique that uses specialized equipment, such as 3D scanner systems, to gather a large amount of data points that represent the surface of the scanned object or scene. The applications of 3D point cloud scanning are extensive and cover various fields, including architecture, construction, cultural heritage preservation, virtual reality, industrial design, manufacturing, and more. These applications require accurate 3D spatial information, and Design Develop's workflow provides precise and comprehensive results, all while being more cost-effective than traditional methods. Design Develop has expertise in this workflow for their own needs and now has a dedicated team offering this service in the Charlottesville and Albemarle area. If you're involved in the real estate, design, or construction industry, feel free to contact them for more information or a free quote. Visit their website for an introductory video that captures the 3D point cloud scanning of the downtown transit center and a booklet that will explain more. Thank you, Design Develop, for this shout out. Fueled by Patreon. A series of high-profile rezonings continue to make their way through Charlottesville's existing land use approval process. On November 14th, the Planning Commission voted to recommend that the City Council approve as many as 540 units at Verve, Charlottesville, and several hundred more at 2117 Ivy Road. In between, there was consideration of a much smaller rezoning, but one that would have a big impact on Lankford Avenue, a key street in south-central Charlottesville. Here is Planning Commission Chair Hosea Mitchell. That is a rezoning from R1S to R3. If this, this development is approved, it's going to allow for about 48 units to be built uh, in this space. It is also accompanied by uh, affordable housing proffers. The project also requires a special use permit and a critical slopes waiver. On November 14th, 
civil engineer Justin Shimp began his presentation by asking for a deferral so that the project could be resubmitted. But he added an editorial comment about the development code. It is much, much better than the one we have proposed ordinance, uh, increasing density in a variety of places. Uh, I've my entire career now, I essentially fought against density restrictions everywhere I go. Shimp said density restrictions increase the cost of housing. Even in the new zoning code, he said he would like to see density increased on some properties designated residential A, and this project is one of them. However, where I think I went wrong is bringing in the three-story building to Lankford Avenue streetscape. And upon looking at it, reading the staff's comments, and then really going out the site and walking around a bunch more, I want to amend that to keep the two houses in the front, keep that distinct historic structures, and then build the project in the back. Shimp said there are six households in those two historic structures and said the change would prevent their displacement. One structure would have to be removed to make way for a road entrance, and the new net unit count would likely drop to 44. Shimp also wanted to delay for 10 years the requirement to provide affordable units on site, arguing that without a subsidy, the project would have to pay for itself first. The simple math of that is to build this project, getting it off the ground is the most difficult. Once you get past 10 years and you pay down some of your debt, you can refinance it. However, Commissioner Phil Duranzio said the math may make sense to the developer, but not to the city's stated goals to provide more housing. The question is how this is future money for the city and for the developer that we're talking about 10 years hence. And I'm not sure if the math maths or there's a way to sort of engineer that in a way that's um, either equitable, sensible, or uh, even possible. Shimp's new idea had the favor of Planning Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg, but he was skeptical the project could come back before the new development code is adopted. Are you betting that they're not going to pass the zoning, the new zoning ordinance anytime soon, and so you'll have time for that? Because if they're going to pass it in December like they plan, and you have a planning push public hearing in December, you're not going to get a vote in time. Shimp said the project was delayed while investigations took place to see if there was a historic cemetery on the property. He said that proved inconclusive, and if they have to apply for a rezoning under the new zoning code, they will. It comes down to it, if the ordinance is passed and there's given no, you know, basically if it said, hey, we're cutting it off this day, you're not approved, I think we would simply amend this to like a, an RX. There's a, there's, there would be a zoning district under the new ordinance that would yeah. adopt the same project. Stolzenberg suggested that may also take an amendment to the future land use map in the comprehensive plan because of the general residential designation. He noted that anything under the new zoning would not allow deviation from the policy requiring 10% of units to be affordable from day one. Shimp's request for a deferral was granted unanimously. We'll see when it comes back. But we're at the end of 604, and when I first started this newsletter and podcast in the summer of 2020, I did not know how it would expand to cover so many different kinds of stories. But this work is the result of growing up wanting to be a reporter 
but not really having anyone willing to pay me to do what I wanted. Now, each of you has the chance to decide if you want to pay me for my work, and over 550 of you are doing so. I'm grateful for your contributions because it allows me to keep experimenting with getting information out to people. If you've not done so, that's fine too. You're reading or listening, which is just as important. My aim is to continue publishing this newsletter and hopefully adding capacity where I can to be here as a resource for when you need to know things. I'm grateful for all of the notes and feedback and I strive to practice the profession I chose over 30 years ago for as long as I can. Ting will match your initial Substack payment. They want the community to work too and I believe their sponsorship works for all involved. Running out of time. Thank you very much and goodbye.